Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right, welcome to yet another edition of the FCM podcast, and it's our most famous edition, the Draft Podcast, the sort of the podcast, the the best podcast we do every year. But I don't think this will be the best podcast we do this year, and that's no offense to my co-host, who is wonderful as always, but because this draft really sucked and was boring and was not fun to talk about, and I don't think we'll have too much fun talking about it, but despite that... On the line is almost always my co-host for these draft podcast, uh, Andy P. Andy, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Jeez? So, did you find this draft is just inherently repugnant as I did? Yeah, it was really tough to scout. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I really struggled to care about it. So when like Hick turned over Oakland to me for the draft, and I had Milwaukee to go in the draft. And I was drafting for semi drafting for Cleveland. It was like, why am I picking for three teams in a draft that I wouldn't even want to pick on my own team, you know, just by itself? And it's one of the reasons why I shot Hicks uh draft picks so aggressively, because the less I had to choose among that crap, the better. Yeah, it did not seem like a draft you wanted to trade heavily into. Um at least in my mind, I, I didn't see much. I, I didn't draft. I didn't scout extensively because I think just I took one look at the draft and it was just like blah, and then I wasn't able to recover from that initial feeling. But what specifically? And we go over what the draft class is every year and what this was like. What do you think specifically made this draft class weak? There was just there was nothing top end. I mean, even mm-hmm. the guys I like, I'm like, well, this guy's probably a role player. Um, mm-hmm. The number of guys I thought even had a chance of being an impact player were a handful. Like, and I mean that literally, four or five guys, maybe. Um, I, I just, it just didn't. There was no builds I liked. There was no speed. There was no switch hitting. There was no. Um, and there were no pitcher builds I liked. It was just blah, up and down. Um, I'm sure guys who like plotting quarter infielders and corner outfielders found some decent options, but I just that's not my style. Well, as a, as someone who loves plotting corner infielders, uh, I I think this there wasn't even a lot of that in this draft. I think I think one of the main issues is you were right about the lack of top end talent. Like there were guys, there were guys at the top of this draft, including a guy I would have taken number one. Who I think I probably I don't think there was a guy that I would have been comfortable taking in the top five of any drafts anywhere in this draft, uh, quite frankly. And I think right. to put the cherry on the shit Sunday, um, some people said there was a lot of depth in this draft, but I happen to disagree because I think yeah. a lot of the guys with better builds were on the older side, which made it much less likely they were going to hit and uh, and and really develop into something. And a lot of the guys on the younger side would, either went really early, maybe earlier than they needed to, or just so bland and didn't really have uh, vitals that indicated to me that they would end up 
performing very well. I know people think they got value late in this draft, and trading down was probably a good idea because after about the first 20 picks, it just sort of oozed into mediocrity. But even then, I don't really think there's a ton of impact players no matter where you draft it. My, my, my retort to anybody who says it was a deep draft is it had the illusion of a deep draft because you think you got somebody that was as good as a second-round pick because in this draft, second-round picks were as good as fourth-round picks. So yeah. it gave the illusion of depth because there was nothing at the top end. You know, it's, it's, um, it, it's like going to a bad buffet. If they don't have anything good, everything looks all right because there's nothing good. There's no, like, super awesome pudding or something to dig into. You're just, you're just stuck with fucking celery or something. And that's all this draft was. There's no pudding in all celery. So, yeah, you got a whole bunch of vegetables in the fourth round. Nobody really cares. Um, the, good stu- the good stuff was non-existent. There was nothing to go back to three or four times. It was shit. So, um, and I actually felt like I got a couple of decent guys in the first round for my guys. Um, but buffets in Minnesota have pudding because we are awesome. Um, to answer Rumble's chat question. Um, oh, not, wait, he goes to buffets without pudding? That's, that's, that's yeah. a thing. And also, every, down every, the every shrimp sounds you have to go very to rude. The salad, you have to go to the salad area, and they have all kinds of sweet puddings in there, and you just eat the pudding. Yeah, they usually have jello as well. Yeah, Which yeah. I don't know if you're a fan of like I am. I am definitely a fan, especially when it's got, like, the little pieces of, like, um, tangerine or something in it. I'm a big fan of yeah. that. Anyway, um, going, going, go, getting away from delicious buffet items to the crappy buffet selection that we had on Sunday, um, uh, yeah, I just think people thought it was deep, and it, it really wasn't. It was bad. It was awful. Uh, yeah, I don't really think any position had any, like, truly impact players. I think one of the issues is lack of speed was definitely one thing I noticed. Uh, yep. There was, there, I think there might be like one hitter in this entire draft who had a combination of good defense and actually might be able to hit for like two right. or something like that. It was really pathetic in terms right. of that. Uh, I, those, it was just really frustrating to, to even look through. I found myself trading down from my pick in the, in the uh, second round just because I'm like, well, here are a bunch of guys who look the same. Maybe some will be there 15 picks from now, and I'll pick up sort of another pick to add some depth because I didn't think at that point I was getting anyone top end. And, and the guy I had top on my board, I ended up getting 15 picks later anyway because it was so yeah. hard to see where everyone was being evaluated. Right. I, I actually, in hindsight, would have gone um, – would have just sold most of Milwaukee's picks if I could go back in time and do it. I like who I got for them in the first round. But after that, I kind of wish I would have just sold all their picks and banked money for whoever takes them over to um, to, to have enough money to keep that core intact. Like, that would have been my strategy in hindsight, but I was too busy with the draft to really pursue that option. But Fair I kind of wish I had because it was painful to try to draft, and I hate I didn't really love anybody I got with those picks. Well, speaking of uh, strategy, um, we always go over the first overall pick and whether we liked or we didn't like it. And uh, I think it was a bit surprising move here. Uh, Stang ended up going with Glenn Fawcett, although he had both of the first two picks. So maybe not like maybe not his true first overall pick, but at least nominally, it's Glenn Fawcett, a 19-year-old pitcher, a good ground ball rate and good amateur stats, but those vitals leave a bit to be desired, at least at at least at first glance. Um, 
doesn't seem to be a conventional first-round pick. I mean, probably in this draft, especially as we said, the lack of top-end talent, you're going to end up with someone weaker than you would normally get. But uh, even considering that, Andy, did you like the pick for staying at number one going with Fawcett? I, I, I wouldn't have gone with Fawcett. He wasn't the top pitcher on my board. I did like um, I did like Kidner. So yeah. I mean, he, drafted, he drafted the best hitter in the draft. The best pitcher mm-hmm. in the draft to me was Holko. Um, Justin Holko. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Fossett's not bad. I mean, he's certainly better than the dregs the rest of the draft was filled with. Um, you know, his big thing is just that he's got a nice ground ball percentage. He'll have a couple of decent pitches, but everything of importance is a pretty decent rate below his overall, which means even if he becomes like a 90 overall, most of his stuff is still going to be in the 80s. Um, if, yeah, if I think pers- that might be... If if he progresses normally. Right. And I don't even think that's a guarantee here that he's going to progress normally, especially at that high 89 health. Yep. Yeah, I, I just – I didn't understand this pick really. I mean, the, the, I, I suppose, though, I would have gone with Kidner had I been picking first anyway, so I can't go too hard on staying considering he was picking with the top two picks and ended up with the guy who I thought was the best player in the draft. Uh, or guy I would have picked him first in Kinder, who I liked better than any of the pitchers, but I certainly like some pitchers a little bit better than him. Um, the two that come to mind most immediately, you brought up Holko, who went to Boston at fourth. I like Holko better because of his age, uh, because he's 17. I think his his control is a little more distant from his overall. His fastball is okay. I don't love the fact that he's a fly ball pitcher, and I don't like that combined with the fact that he has um, – he gave up quite a few home runs, but he was a 52. He was a 52, so he was at a low rating in high school. So maybe that that will go away. But it doesn't seem like he's a he, he's any great shakes either. But I would have definitely taken Holko over him, and I would have taken Poblano, uh, who ended up going third, who also has some home run issues, but uh, control is control is very solid. His fastball is really strong. Um, definitely looks like more. Those are two guys just off the top of my head who would were better bets for success than Holko. Um, I think you can argue even later uh, going to Chicago that Joe Dix has has enough upside that you could justify taking him over Fawcett as well because he's only 16. But really, uh, I, I would say clearly not the best pitcher, uh, the, the best pitcher anywhere on the uh, on the board. Fawcett probably should have gone in the first round just because of his amateur stats and his high ground ball rate alone and the fact that he's still under 20 years old. But I think we're talking about a middle of the first round pick, even in this draft, as opposed to a number one overall pick. You're lower on him than I am. Um, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I definitely didn't like Poblano more than him, um, for sure. Uh, I liked Holko more. Um, Dix, I considered relatively similar. Um, at least there's some advantages with Dix in many ways, but um, I'm not sure of his upside. And so, I mean, for me, after Holko, there was a mix of like three or four guys that were relatively the same to me. Um, Sammy Pinella and um, Fawcett and um, Dix and Speedy Costello as a conversion candidate. I consider yes. those guys similar in the next tier. I would not have put Poblano up there, and I definitely think Fawcett should go top ten in this draft, probably top five, um, just given the weakness of the draft as a whole. Okay. Well, yeah, I definitely, definitely in that case liked him less than you did. 
Um, interesting you brought up Speedy Costello, who is a guy I really liked, but we'll get to that when we get to the picks we liked. So um, who would you have taken with the number one overall pick? Would you have gone with Kidner like I would have, or would you have I probably Polko, the pitcher? I, I probably would have gone with Kidner. Um, you just you you have a, a floor with him that you know what you're going to get. Um, in the I think when he made the pick before the draft, I was in the chat, and I compared Kidner. I think he's going to be a pretty close approximation of Leaf, um, who's currently on the White Sox, I believe. Yeah, Will Leaf. I think mm-hmm. that's probably his offensive ceiling um, is something close to Will Leaf. Um, he's going to be a better defensive player than Will Leaf for sure. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's already obvious and and true. Um, But I think offensively, I think what you get from Will Leaf in an average season is probably what you're going to get from Kittner, which is to say not great, but good enough and a great defender. Yeah. I think is on the low end, we're talking someone like if he develops just okay, you're talking someone also on Chicago, Fred Major, is, is I think his low end comp. Great defense, but he may not develop much of a bat. Um, he also has a low strikeout rate, like Major did, um, and other things of that along those lines. I do think he'll end yeah. up hitting for a little more power than Major, so I think maybe if you mix Fred Major and Wool Leaf together into a gigantic blender and some horrifying experiments, you'll get what Kidner will turn out to be. But he was one of the few guys in my mind who had some offensive upside and matched it with a really strong glove. I think he's probably a third baseman and not a second baseman, which limits his upside a bit in my mind. Uh, Because at second base, he would be almost an automatic top pick uh, with with that kind of profile. Uh, But even as a third baseman, there weren't many great hitters in this draft just in terms of their bat alone. And with that kind of defense and a pretty important defensive position, I would have gone with him. Uh, I know some people would probably would have pushed for Corey Hooper along those same sort of lines, but I think Cooper looks more like a solid defender than a great one, although he's only 16 and he is batting left-handed. So I would have considered him maybe in the discussion, but I think Kidder will ultimately probably be the better player. Um, one thing, I mean, you mentioned that Leaf is a better power hitter than Major. They basically average the same. They're roughly 11 to 12 home run hitters a year. Um, Major and Leaf might appear to be a better power hitter, but they ultimately hit roughly the same. Now, that could be health-related with Will Leaf slightly. And it also and it also could be just maybe Leaf hits more doubles and ups that, and ups that right. uh, rating a bit. You know, it's – I think it's, – it's, it's not as big a difference as I think you, you're making it out to be. To me, Kidner mm-hmm. is probably about a 15 home run hitter, a, guy, a season guy. Um, that doesn't make yeah, him a I bad think, player. Yeah, it could it, make him like the number two hitter in your lineup as opposed to a yeah. three or four. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He's just he's just never going to be a middle of the order hitter. Um, yeah, and I, if I don't think that that's likely. And if you're okay with that, you're you're okay with that. That's fine. It's just I, I hope I hope people you know understand that he's never going to be that, but. It doesn't make him a bad baseball player, and he was clearly the most um, reliable pick at the top of, the, of, of this particular draft. Yeah, and I think any of the particular um, any of the hitters that might turn into elite hitters, I think it's I think it's probably going to be luck that's going to break that more than builds a lot of this case. None of them look like locks to be elite hitters. It's going to be just who develops when and what. You know, uh, right. I, I think it's going to be a lot of like. Uh, like stash and pray for a lot of those guys to turn to who's going to really have an elite bat. So, 
No, I so agree. Kinder, I think, would be, yeah. There wasn't there wasn't much where I looked at a batter. I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, I can see that this guy's going to be able to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, there wasn't even a guy who could be able to, well, this guy will turn into, you know, a Mickey Bailey type, a guy who's just going to be a 90 power, 90 eye, smash 35 home runs type of guy. There wasn't even any of that. Um, and and you know I would would have noticed those guys immediately in this draft because those are the guys I always like seem to like better than you. So yeah, and, and that's why I said I mean for some of those guys they were there. I mean I know Maddie was in love with a bunch of the first basemen, but I I sure as hell wasn't. Um, they they I, looked okay. They didn't look as, be- as yeah. better as some of your first basemen. Like there was no even like Donnie Redwine or Ron Austin or some bat that you right. knew I was going to glom onto and insist be taken like five picks higher than anyone else would have taken him that wasn't named me. Yeah, kind of like I, I led with a bunch of role players. You know, yeah. if you want a couple of platoon guys, you might have found a decent platoon guy um, in the fifth, yeah. third round or something. And I. I don't draft for platoon guys. Platoon guys are my failed picks, not the guys I, I'm happy with. So, um, yeah, I just it's just different philosophies, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Um, so let's talk about some picks in the first round that we really liked. We're going to throw around some praise before we get to the beautiful and wonderful art of derision. Um, so... Uh, what do you think was a pick that you – what was some picks in the first round that you thought were pretty good, especially considering where they were drafted? Um, I thought Vickery was a good pick. Um, again, among bats that were available in this draft, I thought – you mentioned it earlier that there weren't a lot of guys that looked like they can hit and field a position. Um, and Vickery was one of the few that could. Um, I, do I think he's going to be a great bat? No, um, I don't. I think he'll be all right, probably. Um, again, probably a number two hitter, very similar offensive skill set as um, as Kidner, maybe just with a little less contact. But like you said, Kidner's contact might be masked by the low strikeout rate um, or hurt by it, I mean. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I, I saw him as a poor man's Kidner um, who plays right field. <laughs> so not a pretty good pick at 10, a guy I thought was probably a worthy top 10 pick. Uh, I would be inclined to agree that Vickery was a worthy top 10 pick. Um, I don't love his upside with the bat, um, but I think he'll be solid. Um, not, you don't really see those amateur home run numbers, which I'm sure is what you're looking at and yep. looking at with that. But he should be solid enough to at least start in the outfield. Although his strikeout rate isn't great, I, I do like the fact that his split, his splits both look pretty good in the sense that he should really be a plus against lefties and should be solid enough against righties that you may be able to start him full time. I think it's a matter of he's he's exactly one of those guys that I think will be a very good hitter if he gets to that 91 peak rating. Um, if he doesn't, if he gets to somewhere in the mid-80s, we're probably talking like a starter for an okay team at best. And if he doesn't get anywhere near 91, it's the pick. He's not really going to even make a team. I don't think his splits are dramatic enough to the point where he'll even be a platoon player. Um, that could be. I mean, um, it's true that this draft has a lot of guys like that, that um, their floor is very, very low. <laughs> you know, I mean, if things go well, they'll be competent players, but a lot of them, it, it's not going to take much for them to be a completely wasted, crappy pick. Um, and you're yeah. right about that. If Vickery ends up in the low to mid-80s, he's not a particularly 
good contributor in the future to you. Uh, he's a bad right, back. But again, in a, in a draft that didn't really have a lot going for it, I can understand what you take a guy like that in the top yep. 10 who is relatively yep. young and has enough upside to, if he hits, he should be someone you can maybe not quite build around, but definitely someone you can keep around for a long period of time and, and have there as a, uh, and have there as a good, uh, so good job by Rumble picking him up. I agree. Uh, anyone else that you really like? Um, I mean, I know you'll talk about Speedy Costello. I did like um, Corey's pick of Sammy Pinella. Um, mm-hmm. a, again, a pitcher that I put in that class right below uh, Holko. Um, I thought Pinella was just, he's a solid young guy. I mean, he's 20, um, got a great ground ball percentage. Yes, he's left-handed, but that doesn't really bug me. Um, his vitals are all at or above his overall um, you know, he's got a de- he's got that nice little health rating that's, you know, right around 80, give or take, which is, I think, where most people like it best. Um, so, yeah, I just thought at 13 in this draft, Sammy Pinello could have easily been a top 10 pick. So, I think Corey got some pretty good value there. Um, I, I don't really I don't really see it as much with Pinella. I think he got sort of got picked, like, where he was meant to be picked. Like, some of the stats <laughs> is an amateur, and his vitals are okay, but he's also – None of the pitches look great, and he's already 20. Um, he looks like a decent candidate to be like a back rotation starter kind of guy. Um, but in terms of pitchers I like better than him, I probably would have taken Costello over him. I definitely would have taken Holko, um, Holko or Dix. And I think you can make a decent case for uh, in, in Poblano as well, and and maybe even Fawcett. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly. Like I don't think it's great value. I think it's probably about where he should have gone, but it's not a bad pick in this draft, especially. Right, right. Uh, the only other guy. I mean, we talked about Holko. So just before I move on to anybody else, I like Holko just because he's young. He's got the control that's pretty solid and well above his overall. He's got that nice in-between health rating. He's got a bunch of pit- – his pitching repertoire is very good. Um, so I think Rocky made maybe one of the most best value picks in the draft, getting, in my eyes, the best starting pitcher at number four. So just um, throwing that out there so that people are clear why I like it. Um, last one that I'll mention was um, I think that uh, Bernie Hillier, um, who went to Florida, is also a very interesting arm. Um, 19-year-old lefty. I know the power rating is at all anyways going to be assessed with with him, but I don't think he's going to be just a purely power pitcher. In fact, I think he may have the best ace upside in the draft should things go really, really well for him. Um, I think it was a pretty good Who, who are you talking about again? I, sorry, just, I just zoned out for a second. Sorry. Right. Ber- Bernie Hellyer, the 17th overall okay. pick. Yeah, yeah, okay. I see what you're talking about with him. Uh, yeah. Interesting thing brought up by Peter in the chat. He liked Willie White as much as any player, not any pitcher not named Holko in this draft. Do you think that might be overselling White a bit? Uh, maybe, but I will say as running Oakland for that night, I was pretty happy to see Willie White there because he was one of the few guys on my list that I was like, yeah, I kind of like this guy. Um, so taking him was kind of a no-brainer for me. Um I, especially since um, Hick had told me that he would prefer um, uh, pitching to offense at that point. Cause so, to me, the top two guys left on my board at that point were Danny Chess and Willie White. So, I do like White. I think he's got some upside. Um, but, you know, it's really going to depend on 
if he can um, keep the ball in the park because that ground ball percentage is crappy. And, yep. Um, Scares the hell out of out, me, I'll tell you that. Things could turn out very badly for him if, he, if he's a guy that can't, you know, get his movement rating up considerably from where it is and keep, you know, base runners off the bases. So, but, again, like I said, at the overall pick of the first round, I was happy to see that for Yes. Sorry, you, you roboted out at the end, but we got the gist oh, of what you were saying. Sorry, yeah, no, I was yeah. happy to see him there at 29 when I was picking for Oakland. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I say the two guy, the two picks that I like the best in the first round, I already talked about Speedy Costello. I think, in my mind, um, in this draft where the pitchers didn't have a ton of upside, where I didn't really see an ace, I figure go with the guy with the go with the guy who's young, who has a really good build. And I really like Speedy Costello's combination of good control and a, just an obscene ground ball rate of 70%. Um, I think there's a possibility he turns into a uh, he turns into one of those mid-rotation, high control, high movement, high ground ball starters that you can just snarf up and behind a good defense just puts up great numbers for you, and then you can trade them to someone, and then they're just absolutely ruined once they don't know how to use them properly, <laughs> um, which is I'm just a big fan of. Um, but, yeah, Speedy Costello, um, only 17, really good control, Awesome ground ball rate. I think he's a. I think maybe not a lock to convert, but I think you get the most value from him if you convert him. And if he gets to an 85 overall, I'm going to say that he's a lock to be at least a very solid contributor in a major league rotation. And I don't think you can say that for a lot of other people in this. A lot of other pitchers in this draft. Um, I really like the upside he could give you, and I think. And I think there uh, that. Honestly, Chicago is going to get a very, very good pitcher here. Um, One of the pitchers I like best in this draft um, in terms of just in terms of the type of pitcher that I would normally go after and end up in my rotation. I won't be surprised if I end up trading for him in a couple of years. Um, And just for the record, I think I made a mistake on draft night that I corrected later, I think, (laughs) uh, because Speedy Costello was actually drafted by San Diego. Um, And what happened – what had happened in the draft is um, Maddie had posted Wagner, and then Costello came right after, and somehow I just got the two flip flops. So that trade that they actually are flipped. Wagner went to Chicago, and Speedy Costello went to San Diego. But I agree with you. It, I mean, I have worn out those kind of players in my mogul career, especially here at FCM. I love those low ninety control, low ninety movement guys stick him in the four spot in my rotation and watch him put up like a three ERA and be a little, you know, 17 and five badasses. And then milk yeah. that for four or five years, dump them, and find the next guy to fit the same mold. Um, yeah, you, and I, look, I agree. Go look at Greg's White, who's been like my number five starter, who no one wanted a while ago. He's been right. like putting up two seven ERAs, like 15 wins every season. And yep. it's been – that's the kind of guy that I think – those kind of guys – can take your rotation if you don't have just those lights out Scott Russell, Graham Carew type starters, and it'll keep yep. you in ball games uh, if you know what you're doing. So, they're also and, great. They're also great because when uh, Mogul comes up to contract time, you can usually sign them for like four years, seven million dollar <laughs> deals, and make bank off of that contract. Buck um, fifty. Yep. Sure. Yep. You can twenty eight <laughs> million total for that. Yeah, I'll take it. 
Um, I mean, yeah. I, like I said, the Matt Walpins of the world, I have been flooding my back end rotation with those guys since I took over Toronto. <laughs> so five years in real lifetime now. <laughs> those are those are my style of guys. Now, personally, I like drafting them in like the third, fourth round. Um, but I think Speedy Costello could, like you said, 85 overall. He's already a, maybe a number three, number four. Um, if he pushes anywhere close to 90 and he's going to have lots of time to develop, um, you could be talking about a, a, a number two possibly too. So Yeah, if he hits, if in my mind, if he hits, uh, if he hits like that 90, we're talking about, I think, a Rich Baber type top of the rotation starter. Yeah, I, I think it's possible. Yeah, that's what I see. So um, I think another guy I really like um, is the last pick of the first round of all things. I think this guy should have gone higher, and that's Danny Chess. Um, yeah. Let me get this straight. I hate chess. I hate chess as a game. I hate anything associated with chess. Chess makes me feel stupid, and I don't like feeling stupid, as you can tell by my general feeling of just smugness and self-importance, especially when it comes to my brain. However, I do like Danny Chess, despite all these things. Now, I think his peak rating is what dropped him this late in the round. We have to look at what he can do, and I think he can play solid defense, He's one of the few speed guys in this draft. I think he's one of the speed guys that won't be um, destroyed by just going for so many bases and then just just running himself off the bases like a lot of the speed guys are seen in later drafts where they get thrown out half the time they're on the base pass and you're actually not gaining anything by having them steal. I think he's a pretty efficient base stealer. His contact is ahead of where his overall rating is, which should be a good start. And additionally, he's a switch hitter. So I think when you consider all these things, um, I know he's, I know he's probably not going to be a star ever, but I think you can really turn that into like a solid leadoffish hitting center fielder, who mm-hmm. although won't be like an impact player like um, like Enrico Romero, would still be a guy that you can put in that lineup and really help jumpstart things. I think. Definitely a guy that you're going to want around, and I'm surprised he fell all the way to the 30th pick, especially with, in my mind, a weak crop of hitting and pitching in the first round. I think he was worthy of consideration around pick 15 and looked totally like a guy that GB would have picked in that range and drafts past. I can guarantee you if GB had had a first-round pick, he would not have lasted to that point. Yeah. Um, But uh, I I agree. Like I said, when I picked for Oakland, uh, I was debating between – him, I also was debating, you know, Greg Chamberlain was another guy that I had on my radar, too, for similar reasons. To me, there were two speed guys in this entire draft worthy of a conversation for um, early pick, and that was Chess and Chamberlain. Um, I like Chess. I love the switch hitter. He's a good defensive center fielder. The big thing with him is that's going to hold him back a little bit from being an elite leadoff hitter is he's just not a great base stealer. Um his, his steel tendency, his aggressiveness, and his decision-making are going to probably keep him from being uh, what he could be, which is a 50-60 stolen base guy, to probably be, in my guess, as a 30-40 stolen base guy. Um, That's still a thing, you know. But it's still I, I agree. I, I, no, I agree. I'm just saying, you know, people will look at that speed and the fact that he's got a, a contact and uh, eye build um, and, and think, okay, leadoff hitter who can, you know, be a Bart Ahern type. He's never going to be that good. Or I'm trying to think of the guy that um, GB had in Houston there that was an infielder for him for a long time. Um, he used to just swipe the hell out of the bases um, for a long time. Can't remember his name now. 
Uh, anyway, those guys that will throw up 50 stolen bases and give you an on-base percentage around, you know, 380. He's not going to be that, but he'll be pretty dang good, and he'll be better than a lot of players that were picked before him. A lot. So we're going we're gonna to play this new game on the show where it's guess no. what Stang was – guess what Stang is watching instead of listening to this podcast. Yeah, on a show where saw. he has the – I already saw. (laughs) Teen Mom, come on, Stang. Come on. You're better than this. I mean, we did hate your first overall pick, but we still think you're better than this. And that's an important – and that's saying a lot. Um, Let's uh, let's move on a bit. I think – I do think we might have some emails, but I may want to hold those off. Let me pull off my email. Let's instead go to the picks in the second through fourth rounds that we really liked. who Go are some guys? I'm, oh, I'm gonna no, have to. We're, we're in, we have to bash, don't we? We have to oh, yeah, we haven't, be hated. We haven't been a holes yet. We should probably be. We should probably be that. Okay, Andy. I know this is gonna be really difficult for you, <laughs> but imagine yourself saying nasty things about another person and their draft picks, and uh, now try to do that here in the first round. I know because it was a weak draft that we may not hate these picks as much as. We may not hate them as much overall, or they may not cause us that sometimes that really, sometimes like that dry heaving feeling anytime we look at the transactions page. But <laughs> don't make me, we still didn't like these picks. So, what were some picks that you really hated in the first round? All right, I'll fire off the one that probably most people are going to think in their head when they hear that, and that's Manny Pablano. I think Manny Pablano mm-hmm. sucks, and I think he's going to continue to suck at baseball for quite some time. Um, the guy is a home run machine. Um, he, he's got nice looking vitals, but here's, here's the thing. His last jump was pretty good. And then his overall dropped, which tells me, I mean, his peak dropped, which tells me this guy is going to peak early. At least that would be my first gut reaction to that. Um, that his, his window is going to be coming quick and he might not have as much development time as you might think for a 19 year old. Um, he's also a guy who looks like he'll give up lots of home runs. He's got a nice fastball and everything, but there are just ingredients about this guy that looks, he just looks like a phony. I think he's going to be a complete sham. And I think Maddie saw the same thing, which is why Maddie dumped his ass a day after taking over Cleveland. Yeah, I I don't, okay, I, I will try to defend Manny Pobano as much as possible. Okay. I think that all right. The control rating is good. He's still only 19. I know what you're saying about him peaking early, but all we, but you know as much as anyone, that is not an exact science as to when a guy's going to peak. We really don't can't glean too much from that one jump as to whether or not he's going to peak early. I agree yeah. that the amateur numbers are a significant, significant problem in addition to his fly ball rate. But the other thing that's working in his favor is he's got one strong is he's got one really good pitch, that fastball, and there's no one in this entire draft for the fastball that strong, and he's a really good secondary pitch on top of that. So yeah, I think I there's a possible I think that when you consider that the other guys at the top of the draft are either really young and far away or the older guys that have better amateur numbers but don't really have great vitals, I think Poblano is still a worthy risk even all the way up at three. Like, uh, I don't think – I think there's a strong possibility he's going he, – there's – I agree with those red flags that you're saying, but there is no one is on the pitching side of this draft that does not have serious red flags, either in, 
either in terms of how far they are away, their bus potential, or in terms of their build, or in terms of their age. So I think when you consider he's still only 19 and has a pretty good profile with his vitals and pitches, that's enough for me to take him that high, at, at least in this draft. See, for me, I I think those red flags tell me he's going to be a major, major bust. Um, so I could be very wrong. Uh, my My fears about him could be completely misguided or unfounded, but I, I think he's going to be a bust, and I think Matty did the right thing to ditch him as soon as possible. I, I think you're right that he could be a bust, but I have that feeling about nearly every player in this draft, so well, I don't, yeah, I, they don't, it I doesn't weigh stronger with him than it would with any, anyone else, really. Well, to me, the, the, what makes that relevant in his case is he was picked third overall. So that, right. does, magnify, that does magnify it a little bit. Right. I, I don't think – I think the only player in my mind that really, like, that I'm not going to say he's – this is going to make it sound like he's the only player I like in the entire draft, but, I, but that's not true. The only player in my mind without serious bust potential or at least, like, some significant potential to not be any significant contributor is Kidner, and that's about it. Uh, right. And I think you're talking potential bust with anyone else. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. So, who, did, who uh, didn't you like? Um, I anyone else you didn't like? No. Uh, I mean, I, you know, you kind of mentioned it before we started bashing that it's hard in this sea of you know crap to to pick out like, oh, I really don't like that guy. Um, the only other guy I would probably single out would maybe be. I'm not sure why Warpriest had Josh Vaught anywhere near the top of his list, um, but mm. he was towards the top of his list. And I think Josh Vaught is about as clearly a pile of crap as, as there is in this draft. Um, I would be shocked if he's even someday a worthwhile platoon option. Shocked. Uh, I wouldn't be entirely shocked if he were a worthwhile platoon option. I don't think he's very good. Um, and there are a lot of red flags about him. Uh yeah, that was probably a bad pick. Uh, yeah. His amateur numbers are solid-ish. No, they're not. Just look at that senior year. Look at that senior year. You can't call that solid. He was drunk, and it's still a 936 OPS, despite the fact yeah. that he hit 179. Right, That's because of the, of the 15 hits he had, 14 left the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. I think his amateur numbers are impossible if we look at that more carefully. <laughs> yeah. And he he also scored twenty times out of twenty one hits. <laughs> so. so of his twenty one hits, he had twenty two extra base hits. Take a look. Right. Yeah. It's it's that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are <laughs> so, definitely impossible. Double counted. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that OPS shouldn't be what you worry about there. <laughs> Let's worry more about the fact that he only had twenty one hits and hundred and twenty at bats against. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. I will agree. I will concede that that is a bit of an issue. Um, yeah. But the two that jumped out to me, the first one was just Glenn Fawcett. So, like, we already talked about why I didn't like him. Um, yeah. And should have been picked that high, and I would have picked a bunch of pitchers over him. Not going to run that into the ground. The other one that jumps into my mind was another pitcher that I definitely wouldn't have taken in the top ten, and that's Fausto Juarez. Um who this guy just looks just has bust potential written all over him. Uh, I think the first thing that jumps to mind is his rating is really inflated for every amateur level. 
Um, like he was over a 70 in college. He was over a 70 for some of those high school years. So you can take those amateur numbers and just set them on fire at that point. Um, his pitch selection is terrible. He's 21 years old and none of his vitals profiles look good. He looks like an auto pick, uh, like of the auto pickiest order. Um, I think he's not a prospect at all. I think we're talking, uh, an okay, like, I don't see, I, I'm not sh- entirely certain that even if he, even if he jumps again, that he ends up in a rotation. Uh, I just don't think he's very good. And I think there are just a lot of things that I would, there are a ton of red flags there and not a lot of upside for me to hang my hat on. So uh, like when guys like Costello are going later, uh, Pinella is going later and uh, even some other, and, and even some other guys beyond that, like uh, like I know we already mentioned uh, what was his name? Who was the guy who went to uh, Willie White? I probably would have considered over him okay. as well, yeah. despite some of his problems. Um, yeah. I just don't I, I don't get that pick at all. Yeah, I I think I get why it was done, and then that's because um, SXR is trying to you know add talent that will come up close to some of the high-level talent he has right now, uh, but you don't do that. You take the best player available, not the guy who best fits your model. Um, take the best guy and then trade him for a guy that fits your model then. Um, yeah. yeah I, 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 I'm not sure. I can imagine you shouting that like Jerry Seinfeld. You don't do that. You don't do it. <laughs> That's uh, a pretty good Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think it's I think it's a product of be, living around Jewish people in New Yorkers my entire <laughs> life. Um, I could I could see that being beneficial. Yes, for that I didn't guy. draft that guy. Signed the Dodgers. Uh, he actually went to Houston. Oh. Oh. Oh yeah. Same. Okay. I'm sorry. Not Dodgers, but same thing for Houston. I mean, Houston went all in in free agency. I knew I had that justification right. Um, Houston went all in. in <laughs> I knew I was right. I just mentioned the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but they went all in in free agency. They grabbed Carew, and they, um, you know, they had a bunch of guys coming up. They've got Frost up. Lamatina I think guys. was another guy they grabbed. Yep, they they yeah. definitely had an agenda to draft guys close to the major leagues. Um, I'm not I'm not sure if I agree with that plan for the simple fact that um, uh, their their division is still stacked. Um, with Los Angeles coming up and Oakland still a force and Seattle a force, um, it's awfully thick in the NL West. And you still, for the same reason I said, even though I said about the Dodgers, you take the best guy available. He doesn't need to have a near-ready starter. He's got a bunch right there. I mean, Pretty and Volpe and Callow. I mean, he doesn't have a lack of guys ready to come up here soon. I, if I were him, I would not have wasted my time with a guy like Juarez. So I think the key here in this situation is when you're taking a talent close to the major leagues, they still have to be talented. I don't know if yeah. Austin Juarez is. Exactly. I, that's a good way of saying it succinctly. Yes. Uh, and the other pick that I and, – and, yeah, it was just that and Fawcett really just stood out to me as, as two uh, poor uses of draft. I, I agree. Those weren't, well, those weren't great picks. And usually High Heat is a guy that I – that I sympathize with his picks or I, you know, generally have a, have an affection for the guys he picked at some level or another and not this year or not so much this year. Yep. 
We'll, we'll wait until Graham Carew, like uh, Graham Carew and screaming back to the Mets at some point. I should have taken your offer. Right, right. Or whoever else, or why didn't Florida resign me kind of thing. You know, Florida. Yes, why didn't Florida resign? No, he doesn't want to work for Hokie again. No one wants to work <laughs> for Hokie longer than they need to. Uh, so let's move on to, I think, the second through fourth rounds. Uh, I saw some picks in there that I liked, but it's not loved. Just They were fine. Um, what what picks you did you yours? like in the second through fourth line? Okay. Why don't you go with yours um, all right, so now that Andy's stalling for time to finally look through the second rounds, I think one guy that jumped out to me was uh, – just trying to find him in the draft thing uh, – Luke Benoit, who went to Detroit. Uh, I usually like what GB does, especially in the later rounds. And when it comes to those left-handed mashers that strike out a lot but play absolutely no defense and I seem to be the only one that likes – GB is a close second in terms of liking those guys. And I like some of the stuff that Luke Benoit brings to the table. Not a good contact hitter, but his power is well above his overall. Looks like he draws walks and strikes out, so that fits the profile. Um, like, not probably not the worst in terms of, like, his splits. Um, maybe you'd even want to see a bit more dramatic in terms of splits. But uh, I think he compares favorably to two of the guys who went right before the first baseman that went earlier, Leon Dunstan, who went to Arizona, who I think is really like too old to really be that type of guy and his health and too much of that rating is tied up in his health. And uh, as well as speedy Sintos, who I liked a bit, but doesn't really, in my mind, have that offensive upside that, uh, that, uh, uh, excuse me, that, uh, that, offensive upside in that build that I like better in Benoit. Plus he's also 21 years old. Benoit on the other hand is only 19. So he has time to develop. I think if he gets into that eighties, you have a pretty solid platoon player. And I think that might be understating him a bit if he gets, if he gets even higher than that. So I like that pick. It's not a surprise. It's the kind of build. uh, It's the kind of build I go after. I'm also going to praise GB again, because apparently we just, we we just see the same thing in a lot of these guys. Will Avery was a guy who jumped out to me as a guy with really great upside. His endurance, I think, kept his rating a little bit lower than it should have been. But his he has he he has a lot of distance between the overall and his peak, and I think a lot of room to grow. His amateur numbers were really good. He's a 54 overall in high school. Doesn't really show any signs of a home run problem. Has a good ground ball rate. His control has some significant distance from his overall. Um, fastball is decent. Cutter is decent. I think if he develops, uh, if he develops toward that 81 rating, he's going to make a rotation, and I think he'll be a pretty good member of a rotation one day. And uh, I thought, uh, compared to some of the some of the pitchers in this draft who were just really bad, uh, I didn't. Uh, I thought he was pretty good. I was considering him uh, over Yoshizumi Honda, and in, in retrospect, maybe I should have taken him instead of Honda. At that at the pick I had at seventy, so I I really like that pick. Um, I know it's tough to praise Hokey, and especially after saying that none of his employees want to work for him. But I think a guy I really liked was uh, Matthew Seal. Uh, let me just quickly find him real quick. Da, 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 stalling, stalling, stalling. Yeah. So what I liked about Matthew Seal was his high control rating um, and his really good ground ball rating. Uh, one of the few guys that late who peaks still in the eighties. So I think when you consider that, um, 
there's some potential for a setup man or like second division closer here with Seal. I don't really think he's going to be convertible, but I think he might be convertible on if if you're willing to roll the dice on him. Um, I, I think rare for me to praise relievers, but when especially considering he's taken in the middle of the third round, I think if you're getting a guy who's going to make the major league team in a weak draft, and I think be a pretty important like one of those relievers who's destined to get like top B and overpaid. Um, I, I really like Matthew Steele. And another guy I really liked was uh, Graham Ringer, the shortstop who went to San Diego. Uh, he went in the fourth round, and I think, although he looks like he's close to peaking, um, I think the, between just the defense and the fact that he's a left-handed shortstop prospect, you can take a shot on a guy like that and hope he just grows faster than you'd expect him to. Uh, I think he could be really be something – significant if he gets over that 79 peak rating uh like and no one at that point in the draft had that kind of defending tool and the combination of being left-handed so i think a worthy risk in the fourth round by uh by uh by decker there to try to grab someone who i think could be someone significant yeah i mean all those guys were guys i had um some consideration of i wasn't as high on benoit but I did like um, I did like Will Avery. I thought Will Avery was mm-hmm. a, was a solid solid pick and a solid value pick for where he was taken. Um, I had um, as long as SXR is in the chat there, I might as well call him out. But I thought Amado Vernal in the second round to um, Los Angeles was a really interesting pick. Like he looks like a guy to me that I'll be just, really disappointed if his name isn't the Equinox, and I'll also be really disappointed if no one gets that joke. <laughs> he's I, he's really interesting. Um, you know, there's some things that are going to limit him a little bit in terms just because, you know, his vitals and his pitches are all below his overall except for his control. But, boy, a high ground ball percentage, it looks like, you know, with a low in, relatively low endurance, uh, you know, a decent health, this is a guy who might get a re, who might become that guy we were just talking about, that second or third round pick you take. Uh, like Brooks Woodwow is my example on Oakland. Maybe he only peaks as an 84 or an 85, but he's a pretty damn good looking 84 or 85. Um, and the yeah. kind of guy you can be really happy with as your fourth or fifth starter, um, I think he could be that. And uh, that's high praise in this draft, I guess. Is yeah, I, I do it. like how, how good his amateur numbers are in terms of limiting home runs. Only two, yep. only like two home runs his last three amateur years in like 130. 30 innings that that stands out to to me. Yep. He he could be a real gem for for Essex on the second round. Um I thought a guy that I was surprised kept falling like I really thought he might make it to me at Milwaukee and uh at the 61st was Jeff Schaefer who went to Washington. Um and I know he was on a lot of other people's radars too. Uh relief pitcher granted, probably a conversion candidate. The guy the 49 overall who's got all three vitals above that, who's got two pitches above that, who's got a decent ground ball percentage, who's got pretty decent um, high school numbers for that, pretty good at keeping the ball in the ballpark. Um, he looks to me like he could be a really, really solid player for Peter um, and a better pick than a lot of guys that went before him. Um, his build uh, I, is I think, though, nice. even though you said he was a conversion candidate, knowing Peter and his philosophy, I doubt he's going to convert him. He, he might not. He might not. And that's okay, too. Then he might be a really solid reliever. Um, mm-hmm. but I think, uh, I think he was a really interesting pick. I liked him. Um, let's see who else was there. 
I thought I was going to mention Weederanders, but I decided not to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not sure who where you're going to play him because he's not a catcher. So I think that has a little bit to do with um, how I would evaluate him, I guess is the way to say it. Seal was he's not, not a catcher. Yeah, he's um, definitely not a catcher. Know. But I mean, I think that probably a first baseman, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's kind of the question. Um, I thought Groutman was an interesting pick by Kansas City in the third round, and Mm -hmm. I'll just throw one more name. I'm not going to analyze him. He kind of falls under the same line as um, Schaefer um, in terms of my thoughts on him. Uh, There's a guy in the fourth round. Let me find out where he is again. But I can't find him. So I guess I will not talk about that guy. Wherever oh, um I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a guy that I liked, that I picked. Um I picked for Milwaukee, but fuck it, I'm gonna talk about him. Um I like Basically you don't have a team, so you're not really ever picking yeah. yourself, so uh I think Marty Valentine is gonna be a really solid oh, we're in two through four, aren't we? I'm jumping to game yes. here. Well I'm jumping to fifth round asshole. Um, I'm going sure. with Marty. <laughs> I'm going with this is Marty my Valentine. <laughs> yeah, it is totally. I didn't get a run sheet, so I'm just I'm I'm shooting from the hip here. They um, do the same shit every year. <laughs> you're gonna say that, um, Marty <laughs> Valentine, fifth round pick. Um, I how how many fifth round picks can you get that already can play major league quality defense? And yeah, he's not probably gonna be able to hit, but he might be a decent major league contributor for a fifth round pick. Um, I, I really, I was really happy he fell there. And if he gets any help along the way, he could be a, a, a pretty decent bench bat, which in the fifth round of a bad draft, I will, I will happily, happily take. To add a joke from the Simpsons Valentine Day episode, are you saying that you choo choo choose him? Yeah, there you go. Um, I can't think of any of the other jokes from that episode right now. Just play the Monster <laughs> Mash, and we'll and we'll be good. <laughs> that, that, we'll end the show on the Monster Mash. Um, I guess we'll jump to the fifth round picks that I liked. Um, there were two, and it's mostly because I was too lazy to look any further into the into, into the draft. Yeah. Yes. Um, one that jumped out uh, was Rob Sartain, who went to Tampa Bay. Um, I'm not in love with Rob Sartain. I'm not even really in like with Rob Sartain, but there are some things I like. He's a left-handed hitter, which puts him at a little bit of an advantage. Um, his contacts, not his his vitals, especially against righties, aren't bad for a 63 overall. Um, and his speed, he's got really great speed. I don't think he's going to be an elite base dealer because I think he'll get thrown out a bit too much, but I don't think that's impo- it's impossible for him to be a 40 steel guy, and I don't think that any of those guys were sitting anywhere near this draft uh, at all. And now taking a look at his numbers, I might have been harsh on him with the criticism of him being thrown out too much. It's not as if he got thrown out a ton as an amateur. So the worry is that he's not going to hit, but I think you can get a platoon center fielder that's going to steal you a ton of bases potentially, and in the fifth round of this draft, that's a small miracle. Like, you end up getting sainthood for for something like that in the Catholic Church. Yeah, I like uh, Sartain as a late-round gamble. Um, he's probably not going to be anything, but um, he's worth the gamble. Yeah. And I think another guy worth the gamble for no apparent reason, Ricardo Sassiero. I didn't like a lot of Baltimore's picks, but I did like this one because he's young. His peak is a 79, which isn't bad, uh, especially for that late in the draft. 
strikes out quite a bit. Um, so maybe that 66 contact, which is already above his overall, is a little bit better. Um, looks like he hits for some decent power. And bottom line is, I don't think he's great, but uh, puts up some pretty good amateur numbers. He may not suck, especially if he has some time to develop. He may not suck is my fifth-round or sixth-round model, that's for sure. Um, yeah. I I kind of, I'm going to again pick a guy that I picked because by the time it got to here, I was, you know, not happy with any options but the couple that I managed to grab. Um, I liked the guy I took for Oakland in the sixth round as a gamble. Um, Christopher Idoretti? Idoretti? I have no idea how to pronounce his name. He's 16 years old. Idoretti. Oh, no, it is Idoretti. What the hell? Yeah, it's dumb. Um, and he spells his, his his first name Christopher like a moron. Um, so bad parents clearly, but he's, <laughs> like, he's a more, I like I like the casual racism there. We need more of that <laughs> on the podcast. So he's uh, he's um, he he's got a good build. I mean he's not speedy, but he looks like he might be able to confidently play in the outfield and maybe even be a competent platoon player if things go well for him. Um, I you know I just thought he was interesting and he's only 16 so you can hope that you got some years to develop him into maybe a high 70s or mid 70s guy that can help you out a little bit um, so I thought he was worthy of a gamble in a sea of crap by that point in a in a yeah. already already dwindled sea of crap. All right um, since since you've been pimp- pimping your own picks I'm going to take the time to pimp one of mine. No. Aaron Eubank. He exists. Uh, let me go back to him. You picked him for the Mets, right? Yes. The only team I was drafting for. Uh, that was my savvy way of stalling for a second while I pulled it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, really good there. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Stay magnifique. He can, he, can, he can field. He's got that going for him. He did launch some bombs there in college, his, his one year there. Um, but that's good. He did hit in high school, so yeah. That's a that's an interesting pick. Um, didn't didn't hit my radar, but um, yeah, for he might turn into a decent backup for you at some point. Yep. So uh, I suppose that was a <laughs> the hope there. Um, that's all we got. Any um any uh okay uh I didn't really pick a draft that I liked because nothing I, I looked through the drafts none stood out to me honestly like none at all I, I tried. But I couldn't do it. I'm sorry, America. Um, no what no one really had, like, a preponderance of picks to, to really love. I mean, I did like some of the things Rocky did at Boston, but only some of them. Others I liked far less. Um, like Brian Tope, Topey, Tope, something, whatever. I, I don't like him at all. I don't understand why he was picked. He sucks at baseball. Um, I... So I like some things he did. I like some things that Decker did um, with his extra picks as well. But there was nobody who had like four or five picks. So I was like, oh, yeah, this was really good. Because it's hard to have a really good draft when there aren't really good players to pick. So, yeah, I suppose if, if I had, if, if, it, if it, you know, like gunpoint, I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Rocky's draft. But that's the guess at most. And it's um, mostly because I like Holko. I mean, to be honest, yeah. it would it would mostly be because of that. And I, and I don't hate some of his other picks, so that's a thing. 
Elaine Holt looks okay. Um, Carlos Garcia looks like he might hit. Um, and that's about all I got. Yeah, I I did the same thing. I looked. It was hard to say, like, oh, I hate that draft. Or, oh, I love that draft. I I looked, and I wasn't real um, enamored or um, disgusted. Disnamored? Yeah, I didn't remember. I was not with the draft. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really have strong feelings either way. Right. Uh, so this is the part where we talk about the Hall of Fame because, you know, that's your that's your little baby. And your baby yeah. is now getting older and older and inviting strange men over, and you have to get up the shotgun to make sure your daughter is protected. So uh, Jim Davis and Tim Gibson, are they worthy members of the Hall of Fame in your mind? I think so. We talked about it um, after I made the um, the post to announce it. I think Jim Davis um, probably gets more love than he should, um, is the way I would phrase it. His career numbers at the end of the day are not particularly wonderful. Um, they're okay. They're good. They're Hall of Fame worthy. But kind of like we were talking about, I think Jim Davis is kind of um, the gatekeeper for first baseman. Like, if you're not better than him, you shouldn't be in. And if you are better than him, you probably should be in. Um, I think that characterizes my feelings about him. I'm, I don't feel he's as awesome as some other people, and I'm not sure 95% really reflects his talent level. Um, but I think he was worthy. Where do you stand? I, I, in my mind, like, the, the thing that separates Jim Davis for me from some of those, like, gatekeeper players is just his consistency. Um, not an elite home run hitter, but always a guy you could rely on for a strong on-base percentage and, like, good power production for a long time in that middle part of his career. Uh, yeah. From around 20, age 27 to uh, age 37, you had him – you could basically lock him down for 30 homers and average around 320 and an on-base percentage over 400. So, like, and, and good power to go with it. Maybe not elite, but good power. So – I mean, I'm, I once bid like $36 million a season on him for six years. Obviously, I liked him. I, I liked what he brought to the table. Uh, I think you might be a little too harsh in your criticism of him because he didn't end up with elite career numbers, but I think that that's right. just sort of a mogul thing. We don't see those guys end up with the crazy elite career numbers. They just tail off too quickly, especially okay. with – yeah. But they are out there. So, I mean, you look at our look at our first swing right now, and I was wrong about this in some respects. Jim Davis is our gatekeeper. Joe Scarf is our gatekeeper. Joe Scarf is yeah. the, is the worst first baseman in the Hall of Fame right now. So Jim Davis was better than Joe Scarf. He should he should get in. Um, you look and, at, and for Scarf, it's more of the fact that he won that he was won multiple MVPs. Right. That was a huge yeah. part of the reason he got in. Like he just had an absurd. Right. Yeah, he had an absurd five year run that got him in right. more than anything. I would yeah. I would totally agree with that. But if you look mm-hmm. at our, our best three first basemen. They were all, you know, um, they they have legit career numbers. Eric Brew, Tim Van Dyke, and the One Man Band all have legit real life career statistics. They were bad at they they absolutely they absolutely have great career numbers, and we still have guys doing stuff like that. Um, Jim Davis wasn't as great, but Tim Gibson has good career numbers. His career numbers stack up with you know, real-life guys who would be considered for the Hall of Fame. Um, and Roger Mason, same thing. Um, I, I, so I still think we are getting those guys, 
but they're happening as uniquely as they probably should be. Um, we shouldn't be seeing amazing careers all that often. It, we're seeing a guy like Jim Davis, a worthy Hall of Famer, and probably at some point maybe we'll induct somebody at the end of their career who's been even better. Um, but you can't expect to elect um, – who can get given as an example? Um, you can't expect to elect Peter Carson every year. That's going to happen once every 20 seasons. So um, now here's now here's my question for you: With Jim Davis being on the Hall of Fame, does that make Paul Audley's Hall of Fame case better or worse? Uh, let me pull up where Paul Audley is at at this point in his career. Because you look at their career numbers, I see some suspicious similarities. Um. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's close. Um, you're right. They are similar. Um, he's got, in some respects, I don't know, though. I mean, he's a good four or 500 hits less than Davis or Scarf. He didn't hit as many home runs as either of them. Um, Although barely. He's like, he's like four Davis, behind. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Close to Davis, but considerably less than Scarf. Um, more no, I, Scarth have his career. I thought only at 300. Oh, you're right. 321. I looked at the wrong thing. So yeah, more than Scarth. Yeah, he's better than, he might be better than Scarth. And then, but then, see, then, well, then it creates an interesting dialogue, which is, you know, well, three MVP awards for oddly too. Yeah, he's probably in. But yeah, I, I would say he's in. He's a Hall of Famer. But where oddly <laughs> suffered is that at one point he looked like he could be an all-time player, and he really ended up being just above the cut. Which although, is, although I can really say that his last really good year was with the Mets, which is I think is important. Uh, that one year really with the Mets year was pretty was, solid. Was, was with Seattle, <laughs> but nice try. <laughs> hey, his on. last really good year was with Seattle. No, <laughs> oh, please. Um, he he still was he was a surprising force in that like late in that season that that kept he, he was that, solid. Kept the, yeah, yeah, he was solid. Um, but yeah, his last good run was uh, his first year with Seattle. But um, oh. you know, but the thing with Audley is, and um, there was a time when Paul Audley was considered to be like a legit threat to be better than Vogel. Um, and and it wasn't a completely crazy argument at the time, um, but he he never came anywhere close to that in the end. Um, but he is Hall of Fame worthy. And and I think when he gets on the ballot, probably what next year, um, if he retires, I think is reasonable to assume. Um, I think he I think he will get in as a first ballot guy. Yeah, I would think so. Um, for a couple of guys that have had a, had a few shots at this, uh, I think two guys that are really interesting that fell back. Well, first of all, John Bowes, who may have been hurt by the option three fiasco. No, he wasn't hurt by that. <laughs> Did anyone vote option three? Because it was really no. tempted. No, I just forgot to delete it and then got lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so the two guys that fell back after looking like they were close to getting into the Hall of Fame were Colin McConnell and Armando Torero. Yeah. Why do you think they fell so much, and do you think that this is just a fluky, stupid thing, or that their candidacies are really hurt by this? I I don't know. Um, I was surprised by McConnell because I thought he was a guy that would kind of gain steam 
a little bit um, and probably get in. But I think after this year, I think he's toast. I'm not sure he's going to make it in, um, which is interesting because McConnell has a lot of the same qualities that people seem to revel with, or to you know to really appreciate about um, Scarf. You know that he had like a ridiculous run for a little while there, where he was just a maniac that was unstoppable, um, including back-to-back MVP awards, and yet. I mean, obviously, that's not four straight MVPs, which is a little bit different, but um, he he was really, really good for a while and a really underrated part of what D. Lee did there in Philly. But I think in the end, he's not going to make it. And I think by yeah. virtue of that, a guy who's very similar to him and Carlo Musquez, I think he'll also fall short. Yeah, uh, Savon Brown almost made it in uh, as well. Are you a little surprised he didn't get in on the first ballot? Because I think most uh, people assume that he's going to get in, but yeah. are you surprised that he ended up a bit short this time? I am, um, but I think, again, he's got some name value more than um, than really him being better. I'm pulling up the ballot. I, I feel like he and Torero are fairly close in terms of their career numbers. Um, I'm kind of glancing at it now. So I have Savon Brown up. Uh, 253 wins to 128 losses, 311 ERA, uh, 32, 3270 in terms of strikeouts. Um, no, Brown was better. Um, he's yeah, better and, than and uh, 10 All-Star games, yeah. Not, not, not a ton better, but better. Um... And he was also better a little more longevity, both. I think you could say. Also, yeah, he he pitched five seasons more, which probably explains a lot of uh, some of those statistics. Not all of them. Um, his you know his opponent on base average was you know quite a bit better than um, El Toro's was. Um, I, I I think he will get in. Um, I think I think that's pretty certain. Um, I wonder who I would consider. Yeah, I mean, I think he's better than Brian Smith, and Brian Smith is in. Uh, so I think I think he will get in in time. Uh, I just I think it might be as soon as next year. Yeah, I would well, think he's so. Pretty comparable. Um, he's pretty comparable to Brian Smith. The more I look at it, Jeff yep. Trembath is probably our gatekeeper of starting pitchers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, with a. And also, can we pour one out for? Can we pour one out for Kevin Kaler? Yeah, which, well, no, Kevin Taylor is not getting in. <laughs> no, I mean he's eliminated from the ballot, so he's oh, not getting right. in unless unless yeah. the veterans committee conspires. But yeah, that, that uh, I think if he didn't spend so many years as a setup man, he'd probably have a better shot. Yeah, I think of the group that didn't make it this year. I think Savon Brown will in time. Um, I don't think any of the rest will. If Torero had managed to bump his percentages a little bit this year, I think he could have but he's not going to. And um, no one else on that ballot, in my opinion, is going to make it. And that makes me sad because I thought Musquez was a guy who had a shot at being a 3,000-hit guy. Um, he just His career tailed off uh, quicker than I had hoped it would. So he ended up not making it that far. But um, So, of course, Peter is complaining we didn't mention Savon Brown getting omitted first. As even, even, above, even above talking about the new members of the Hall of Fame. Or the draft. Yeah. I don't even know. Well, um, I, I I think him being omitted isn't as big of an affront as 
as Peter thinks it is. Um, I think he should be in. Don't get me wrong. Um, Savon Brown is a good, good player, but he wasn't that unbelievable. Like it's not like if you put his numbers in the Hall of Fame right now, you go like, oh man, there's one of the five best guys we've ever had in our file. That's that's not the case. Um, he, he's he's not in the top tier. He's in that next tier, and he deserves to be in, but he's not he's not in the Demont Williams, Toby Horton, you know. Uh, stratosphere of pitchers, and he's damn sure a, a notch or two below the Donovan Paces of the world. So, um, I'm just I'm just sad Chad Noah made it never made it onto the ballot, despite his obvious and material greatness. <laughs> it's just he 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 probably deserved to be in, um, and he'll get in, I think. But um, <laughs> but I don't think uh, I don't think it's that big of a front that it's going to take two ballots for him to do it. Yeah, it certainly wasn't as big as the. Uh, it, it was certainly as uh, uh, not as big of an omission as all those years where uh, uh, was a shortstop that kept like, grinding there. Yeah, Danny that starting, like couldn't get in for like five years. That was insane. Yeah, that was that was way worse. The best shortstop we've had in our in our file, and it took him. It took pleading on the podcast for five years to get him in. Um, it it uh, it shouldn't have taken that much. Um, so, no, I think Brown will make it. And, you know, some of it, too, I've noticed just kind of depends on who the other guys in the draft or the the um, Hall of Fame ballot are. That seems to dictate things a little bit because, you know, if there's no one else to vote for, guys feel like they have to vote for somebody. So um, that may help a couple of the guys if they can, you know, bleed out one more year and the ballot is weak next year. But I don't know what the ballot is going to look like. I never I never know until the offseason, so. What's, what's pretty incredible is, although, although I think all of us would criticize the like all the people in this league for the most part would criticize the baseball writers for screwing up the Hall of Fame every year. Right. It's hard to deny that we don't have a pretty similar voting pattern. Well, I think we do, but so far, I I don't feel like anybody who absolutely belong to be belongs to be in has been left out, and I don't think anybody that is just an affront to your, you know, baseball fandom or fanhood to get in has gotten in. I mean, I think we've I think we've held the the line pretty reasonably so far, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's fair. We probably do a bit better job overall, but there are always like these weird quirks that just show up when we have a democratic system. You know, I blame democracy. Yeah, what a bunch of losers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we should just. I, I, I that's why we elected you, this are. Before you start, before yeah, elected. Before you start randomly um, um, transitioning us off the line, though, uh, I did want to mention uh, that the summer blog series post that I, I threw up there. Um, yes. Because we are, as of well, we are. We did celebrate our fifth year of existence earlier this month. Um, I mean, real five five real years, which um, in these days of mogul is like four and a half years longer than your average life expectancy for a league. Um, and because of that, we have all kinds of history. So because I'm a teacher and I don't have anything else to do in the summer and my kids at daycare, I have a little time to be a goof and do some, some different things. So if guys want to be part of anything or have any ideas or things like that, throw them my way. Um, I'm already planning on doing a top 25 teams 
I've got a list of teams I'm kind of glancing through and narrowing the list down. If I get some teams that people have ran before and they'd like to write up their own little um, nostalgic for fun, this is my my team was kick-ass blog entry, I will be throwing those options out to people, so be aware of it. Um, and by I, means, I was a li- for the record, I was a little disappointed, although I understand they didn't win 100 games, but I was a little disappointed that the 2048 Miracle at Ripken Memorial Orioles team did not make the list. Just a little. <laughs> I, I'm, ta- I'm talking about great teams, not lucky teams or <laughs> or anything like that. And, hey, look, and hey, look, um, if there were a first-class mogul sports center, they'd still be running like highlights of that sure. on FCM Classic. I'm sure. The the thing for me was the easiest way for me to do it was based on record, um, and then team success and run differential. Those things were yeah. what I looked at because to me those are the nitty gritty things that are going to show great teams, um, and that's how I narrowed narrowed things down. Um, and I'm further narrowing them down mostly based on run differential, um, and then I'm going to examine teams and take into account you know. MVP awards and Cy Youngs and and things like that as well. So um, I'm going to try to narrow it down to uh, top 25. So if anybody has any interest in contributing with that, that'd be awesome. I'll contact people as I have, um, you know, the list narrowed down and and see what they want. And the other angle that somebody suggested was talking about some of the controversies that have happened with us. And I listed the ones I can remember. So other ones that they recall, by all means. I don't mind being pretty frontal about what I know, um, but I don't always pretty know frontal. as much as... Pretty frontal. Yeah, okay. Some things I will not... <laughs> I think the I'll word be, you're looking for is upfront, teacher man. Uh, no, I think frontal can be part of that, too. <laughs> I, 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 I plan to approach these with you know without hiding anything. Um, there are some that I won't talk about for various reasons, and there are some I can't talk about because I was just a schmo at the time they were happening, and I only vaguely know what was going on. <laughs> I um, was just a schmo. The I'm yeah. just a schmo defense. I, I I mean, some of those conversations happened before I was a part of them, like the Scott cheating stuff. I only know that he cheated and they drummed him out. Other than that, I, I don't know a whole lot. So... Um, uh, I'll do what I can to discuss those things, but I, if there won't be much that I can say on some of them. Oh, but I, just I, you one know, I quick thing about the things like that. One quick thing while you're up there on the blog, we still have one wrong World Series winner up there. Yeah, right. I don't care. Um, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and look at that stuff. I try to keep that stuff as accurate as I can, but some of those things are so wonky and so hard to find, like, the little stupid thing I need to fix to fix that damn thing that I get bored or annoyed and I just stop looking. So I will try to not bored stop or annoyed. looking. <laughs> I'll try to not stop looking um, and, and fix that. But yep. uh, other, otherwise, I, I think it'll be kind of a fun thing for people to look at and reflect. I know people like those blog series, um, so I'll do what I can to, to throw a couple out there that will be interesting. I know people have wanted me to revisit the top trades idea, but that was at a time in the league where um, I could do that functionally. Now with the way the files are and it being impossible to actually trace back the actual deals and the fact that we have 40 seasons to look over, I'm not, I'm not sure I can do that. But um, if anybody has any great ideas, they're welcome to throw them at me. Okay. Um, we have two emails uh, before we go off the line. One is from Mike in Kansas City. Uh, okay. One says, G-Dollars and Andy, what, what, 
why do people have so much trouble with G Money as a name? Like I've turned into G dollars and G apostrophe S so quickly, or just G's. I don't know. Like I'm some sort of gravitational force. Everybody, everybody shortens everybody's name. That's just what you do. Um, I I just think that's that's just what you do. <laughs> I don't I guess know. So. Uh, so thanks for doing the podcast. You're welcome, Mike. On to the question. Uh, uh, why is my defense so bad, and when are you going to get the mafia to convince Maddie to come back on the pod? I miss his voice, and I miss his musk. I don't miss his musk, but Maddie was almost on this podcast. He said that he might have been able to call in. I guess that didn't materialize. But, yeah, Maddie will get back on here at some point. I, I would not be surprised by that. Um, he's probably busier than he used to be when he was on the pod all the time, but we'll figure it out. Uh, why is Mike's defense so bad in Kansas City? Well, I can definitively say something. Uh, looking at that defensive average, that defense is indeed bad. So this is not a matter of, well, it's not as bad as you think it is. No, it's just bad. So why do we think it's bad? And I have to look at this, and I had a hard time figuring it out. So, uh, Andy, what do you think might be the problem? Andy, did you explode? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Sorry, I was maybe I was not talking close enough to the phone. Um, I'm obviously just looking now too, and I'm trying to figure out why. Uh, and nothing is my, immediately jumping out to me. My best instinct says it's something to do with Joey Walker, but I'm not positive by any means. Um, it shouldn't be as bad as it looks um, right now. This there are occasionally where things were just. Cardoza's pretty bad too. Right, but he's not doing terribly, so I'm not sure that that's the problem. I know he's not a great defender and not as good of a defender as he looks, uh, although I almost picked him up. So he's still slightly better than my other defender. I don't love what Walker and uh, Cardoza give you. If I were him, although although he had some problems last year with him, you could try Miguel Martinez at second base over Scott over Walker, but I don't know how much more that's going to give you. Um, I think maybe it's just the, the price of the pitching staff being bad. Uh, it's weird to like blame that on the defense. It's usually the other way around, but there's definitely not. I definitely don't like that pitching staff there to a large extent. Rin, who's probably the guy I like the least, is for some reason doing the best. And uh, but you know Toledano, I'm just not a fan of at all, and I don't know why he's in the number one pitching spot. He could be replacing somebody, but they're, they're uh, not that bad though. I mean, yeah. Um, they're, they're, a lot of their vitals aren't that bad. Um, I don't know. I almost feel like it might be the outfield that's that's the the culprit here. Um, right. I, I think I think one he's not playing a true center fielder. Uh, I don't think Sakari has ever been a very good center fielder. Um, and I say that because at one point I did look at him when he was I think when he was on the Cubs. I considered him as a as a possibility. Um, and I ended up declining that because I, I didn't think he was truly a center fielder. I thought he was a corner outfielder. So I think that might be part of it. Um, playing a bad center fielder that never helps. Um, playing a guy in left field that's also not great, but he's not bad. I don't know. Oh, I, I, I figured something out. Um, I think part of the problem, although this sort of underrated, underrated in terms of this, is when you're putting together a bench in Mogul, it's important that you have, like, coverage for every position. 
and it looks like his bench is a little too heavy on outfielders and doesn't have enough uh, first and doesn't have like a natural like second baseman or a natural third baseman like backing things up. And I noticed yeah. if you look through his bench, he has a lot of guys playing like weird like one game randomly at third and making two errors here and three errors there. And I think that might be throwing off his numbers a bit. So I think it's somewhat yeah. a product of bad luck. But I would consider revamping that bench would be my best advice. Yeah, I think he's too too set on the platoon there. Having a, a true backup, a second true backup infielder might be a good mm-hmm. idea. Especially somebody that can that can bat or play second um, would be would be a wise idea. Um, and getting rid of one of those outfielders. I agree. Oh, I yeah, Norman Poe. Oh, Jesus, look at all those errors. Yeah, Norman Poe is not very – oh, damn. That was back in Tampa Bay, though. But that does show that he can't play left – he shouldn't be playing left field, apparently. Wow. Yeah. A little Jesus. bit better in right field. How in the hell do you get 50 errors in left field? <laughs> you just sit out there, you sit out there like, with a lawn chair and drink? Like every other game, are you that guy that's from Cleveland that spiked the ball like three feet in front of your face on a throw? Like, was Norman Poe doing that every time? Um, was he, uh, wow. is he, instead of his glove, does he just have an iPad full of pornography? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. Or he tries to catch barehanded all the time. I'm not sure what's going on out there. Um, yeah, he's a part of the problem. Cardoza is part of the problem. Um,. It looks like Martinez is getting time at short, and he shouldn't be. He should be that playing second. That was last second. year. That was last year. Oh, you're right. You're right. Um, but, yeah that's, yeah, that's basically the thing. things we would say about it. I think part of it's bad luck, but part of it is revamp your outfield. Bench. Yeah, revamp fix your, your bench and fix your outfield. Yep. Although I've managed, just because of the weird way my pitching staff is set up, to get away with, like, the worst defensive outfield in history, just because the ball never travels to them, ever, under any circumstances. Right, but if you can build it that way, that's fine. The problem with Mike's pitching staff is everybody's, like, a 40% ground ball guy, so he's, like, 50-50. You know what I mean? He's got got to have it good on both ends. And he doesn't. And considering he has Orego at shortstop, I'd be forcing as much stuff to the infield as possible. Because right. Orego is a machine. Yeah, it, between those uh, and the second, Martinez isn't even a bad second baseman. He wouldn't be a bad fit there, too. He's one yeah. guys with pumping ground balls. Yep. So uh, I think that would be my advice. There's one more email, and it's from a guy mentioned in the previous email. It's from Matty. Uh, he said, he asked, what's our thoughts are on the post-draft Poblano trade? Um, we already mentioned this a little bit, but uh, what do you think of that trade? Um, it ends up being Manuel Poblano, uh, who who Matty mentioned is a little – is concerned about him and what is going to be a higher home run park. Um, says uh, ends up trading him for Lanier McGibbon, Frederick Garcia, and Alan Holt. All of them were drafted this year, I think. So, um, what do you think of this trade ultimately for uh, Chicago? Uh, I don't for, like excuse Poblano. me for Cleveland. Excuse me. I don't. Cleveland. I don't like Poblano. So, I mean, I, I mentioned that already. That jettisoning him, jettisoning him was probably a good idea. Uh, Holt is all right. Um, I don't love Holt, but I think he's. I think he's all right. Um, so, I think Maddie got pretty good value. Probably about what he would have gotten if he had. Um, if he had traded the third pick for the 
what, the ninth pick or wherever Holtz was taken, 14. Mm-hmm. I think he got probably yeah. what he would have gotten in draft back in prospects. So I think it was probably a good deal. Yeah, I think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty fair, uh, I think it's a pretty fair uh, uh, deal. Um, I, I like Pavano a little bit better, but I, I do think there are some risks there. Um, Holt, I think, is pretty solid. Um, for some strange reason, I like McGiven a little bit. I don't know why. I just think he's going to hit. Um, and Garcia is not terrible, so I think that should be a that should be a fine trade. Um, I don't know if I would have necessarily done it, uh, but I understand why he made the move, uh, and I think it's a pretty reasonable value. I think for both teams, I would say this trade is pretty fair. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty even both ways, which isn't too surprising. Two guys like Rock and Matty are making a trade. I expect neither one of them are going to get screwed out of it, at least not at face value. Um, so yeah, I think it's a fair deal. Yeah, um, so what uh, Decker actually mentioned, he has a co-worker who plays Mogul. Why, why isn't this dude in our league then? There's that was Peter's open, exact words, yeah. There are open, there are open, there's an open World Series contender right now in our league. Get, get, get in here. <laughs> you, can literally, you can literally take them over, do absolutely nothing, and still have a chance of winning the World Series. Yeah, I'm writing right now. I will co-GM with the guy if that's his line and he's not good enough. Um, he can just come in and I can talk with him and do whatever. And um, yeah, I uh, I would love to get fresh blood in here. Let's do it, Decker. It's true. So the Decker's coworkers who listen to the podcast that only you're on. So that guy that Decker is referring to, whatever your name is, you should join the league. Yeah, that guy, get in here. It'd be, yep. it'd be inc- you'll, have, you'll have a good time. That's my sales pitch. It's probably probably could be improved. Right. That sounds like the Vince McMahon sales pitch to all of his wrestlers. He doesn't want to push. It's like, well, you'll make a lot of money. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think that'll do it for this edition of the FCM podcast. I have some Game of Thrones to still catch up on. I'm only starting season three now, but I've caught up a lot in a week. Um. So what episode are you on? Uh, the first episode of season three. Oh, okay. Is the first one I made to watch. So season, I just season three, got through I think the. Is, if you're if the hooks aren't in yet already, season three will um will bury the hooks. The show I think season three is one of the strongest uh, of the of this of the series. In yeah, we just got through the battle of green shit on fire in the lake, whatever that was called. Um, the battle of the Black, Blackwater Bay. Yeah, Blackwater Bay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still think green shit on fire in the lake is somehow more accurate. And I also and I also love how Tyrion, in all of his battle experience, somehow lucks through it from some stupid circumstance and never yeah. actually does anything. Tyrion, well, what's Tyrion gonna do? I mean, he just he keeps getting screwed over because he's not quite as vicious as the people who share his blood, <laughs> which is yeah, that's true. which is kind of shitty for him. It's true. It, he, the funny thing is, he'd be the douchey one in any other family without the last name Lannister. Right. Which but is pretty impressive. But when you're a Lannister, it takes a pretty high standard of uh, douchiness to even make yes. a conversation. When you're, when you're in a family with Cersei and Tywin, it's really hard to impress in that regard. Ty, Tywin Lannister, by the way, we, I know we were talking about this in, in the chat but um, a while back, but to me, Tywin is easily in my top five. 
Every time he's on yeah. the screen, he's got my total attention. He's a badass. Total He'd probably badass. be my third favorite character, probably right now, but yeah, I really like him. Uh, I just, maybe it's because I relate to Tyrion and Jorah a bit more, and I don't relate to Tywin because it's just not how people react to me. I don't right. have that kind of presence. I, I mean, I have I can get people's attention, but it's normally like, well, look at this asshole, as opposed to, <laughs> shut up, this Shut up, he's talking. Yeah, right. But no, I, I I I think you'll really enjoy this season. And I, I will I will encourage anybody out there who has not gotten into Game of Thrones that you're a fool. Get into it right now. So Yep. Do All that right. now. Well that'll And that'll that's your friend, just... get in our league. No more no more whining. Yes, no more whining. Uh so that'll do it for this edition of the FCM draft podcast. May have been a weak draft, but I think we still managed to pull out an almost adequate podcast from all that. Uh, so thank you, Andy, for coming on the show. Great job You're as welcome. always. Thanks, sir. You too. So uh, again, that'll do it. Uh, we'll come to you with a podcast uh, at some other point in time in the future. Have a good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.